Hi, and welcome to the Directors UK podcast. In this episode, we hear from director Steve McQueen about his latest film, Widows. At a member screening in December of last year, Steve spoke to Beban Kidron about working with actors, filmmaking as a sensory experience, and never underestimating your audience. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. So, first of all, uh, welcome. I think that's working. Uh, welcome, and I'm just going to put my cards on the table and say I saw the film a couple of weeks ago, Odeon, Holloway Road, absolutely fantastic film. Um, enjoyed every minute. So I'm going to ask some questions, 15 minutes, then I'm going to open it to the floor. And I'm going to start by saying just really... I, you know, you've been so successful as an artist and as a filmmaker, and I've heard you sort of refer to yourself as a maker. And I just was interested to know whether you see it as a continuum between one thing and another, whether they're in conflict, whether one helps the other. How does it feel from where you sit? I've referred to myself as an amateur. Never. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm an amateur. I'm, I'm a real sort of, um, I'm an amateur. I'm just uh, trying. Um, uh, you know, the, the day that I sort of know is the day I'm done, and I don't know. Every time I make a picture, every time I make a movie, I'm on set, I'm really scared. I'm really petrified, and it has to be brand new every time. It has to be brand new every time. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you, 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 it, it's about experimenting, exploring, finding out um, the language of, 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 of working with a camera and sound. I mean, it's like a magnifying glass and a, and a, and a butterfly net. You're trying to grab or grasp some, some sort of reality, which is, a, which is there, some truth as such, and using those tools. So yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an amateur. Okay, you've been pretty out clear that you were put in the stupid group at school. Yeah. Now, a lot of people don't get out of that group once they've been put in that. And I'm interested to know whether you think there was something within, whether there was an accident, a mentor, a, a road out. What, what, what do you credit with kind of getting out of the, that place where you were put and kind of saying, no, there's a different, there's a different path for me? Um, Jesus, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> you said you said ask me anything. <laughs> that was anything. Um, um, uh, uh, art, literally that one word, art, um, and you know, it just really excited me. I mean, I, I and, I and I could draw, and I could draw. So the whole idea of studying something, in, which was in front of me, and have a pencil in my hand or, or a paintbrush or. or or examining, because once you examine, you start asking questions. Don't you look at something long enough, you start asking questions. How, who, why, who, how, who, why, and what? And especially as a black child growing up in London or anywhere in, in, in the Western Hemisphere, you start asking that question. Um, and you become much more politicized at a much earlier age because of the environment you find yourself in. And in the institutions you find yourself in, and the position you find yourself within the, in, in, within the institutions. So you, you, you're very much, your awareness is, is much more heightened at a very early age because it has to be in order to survive. Um, and also to sort of, uh, you know, navigate yourself through the sort of environment you find yourself in. You know, you've got to be sharp. You've got to sort of understand, you know, wolves come in sheep clothing and so forth and how you 
find your way through, you know? Yes, you understand me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know you do, no, no, yeah, it's true. So it's, 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 it's one of those, oh, you, but, you, but you're hearing it in stereo. <laughs> From a guy who doesn't give a fuck. Um, um, but that's the truth. Um, and it's one of those things where um, you're sensitive to yourself in, in, in the environment you are. And the singer detective, which was very important yeah. to me. Which is really, really, really cool. And it came out and, oh, wow, what's this? And, whoa, and it's amazing. That was good, wasn't it? I mean, it was just wonderful. It was on telly as well. It was free. Accessibility. Yeah. Um, and again, these women who find themselves in this, in, this, in this predicament where their husbands have attempted this heist, have died, and have left them with this, their last job as such, which they have to complete because their lives depends on it. So, but at the same time as that, they find themselves in the environment that they find themselves in, the political, social, economical environment they find themselves in. And they have to sort of, how can I say, they have to sort of wade their way through this environment mm. in order to get where they want. So as soon as the curtains are drawn here on the cinema screen, the train has left the station because we know we're in a heist picture. So yeah. immediately there's this, there's, there's this speed. Then there's this sort of the emotional acceleration of these women sort of uh, uh, escapade as such because there's the fact that they have to deal with their grief. Yeah. So therefore, at the same time, the, 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 the advancement in the, the emotional advance has to advance because there's a situation of, of time. So we see certain things which are accelerated as far as the emotional uh, development. Then there's a situation of um, uh, the political aspect, you could say. And the political aspect within speed is the idea of an election because mm. the, the clock is ticking. The campaigning and you have the debate and you have the, the, the results. So there's all these things that sort of, you know, the devices to, to sort of escalate the speed of, of, of the narrative. Then you have a situation where Hans Zimmer comes in in the 45th minute and sort of propels us even more forward once the deal has been made that these women are going to take um, this seriously, well, have to um, mm. take the job on. So again, everything is propelled in this way for sort of acceleration and, and speed and the sense, sense of anxiety as well. Everything has been forced forward. So the device of the heist is just to sort of accelerate the sort of the, the world we live in as such and to give us some kind of, and of course, once a train is at a station, it's like, it's like a roller coaster ride, it's going through the landscape of the environment we live in. So there's stops on our way. Yeah. It's like a, I don't know, it's like a roller coaster ride, you know, the loop-de-loop, whatever, and the twists and turns, and we see what at, is at every stop, at every station mm. of their journey. And then, of course, we come to the end. But that's the environment. The, the, the train is going through the environment of, 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 the, uh, of the city, and what it is. Well, uh, to, to be frank, that was something I was really interested in, was the whole rhythm. And, uh, you know, in the beginning, there's those sort of snippets and they're sort of almost clues of, you know, you tell in a moment the whole situation. And then there's that extraordinary shot when he gets, uh, uh, you know, when he comes down from his rather pathetic political moment, Man, gets yeah. in the car, mm -hmm. yeah? Mm -hmm. Is that like three, four minutes long? And About three minutes long, yeah. And the conversation is not what we expect. And the environment well, is ever-changing. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's very heady, even though it's very... I think, you know, I think, I, I think I, I, it's heady, but I think I disrespect my audiences so much. I think my audiences, audiences are intelligent. We, when, when, we get, when we've come left our houses or we've lost our, left our work or we left the drinks we came to come here, we've seen so many things before we come and sit down. We pick up things as we go along. It's that, it's that, that easy, that's narrative. Narr your narrative of getting from A to B, that's what it is. And I think, you know, again, I, with audiences, I think 
they like to be rewarded for their attention. They like to be rewarded for their sort of, um, 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 how can I say, it? investment. Especially if you, once in the first 10 or I think 15 minutes, for me at least, or a filmmaker, you think, okay, I'm in safe hands. Let me follow this person where this person's taking me. So the example you gave is, is Manning, um, played by Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell, Jack Manning. We know, and we all know that what politicians say in private and public, we all know that private and public, you know, we've seen it you know, here with Gordon Brown, for example, or Access Hollywood takes. We don't need that. We don't need that evidence to say that we know what politicians say behind, sorry, politicians say uh, within the public and the private. And within that shot, we have six narratives going on. We understand as soon as he shuts the door on those women who he, he was on the podium talking about MWOW, as soon as he shuts the door, we understand he doesn't give a damn about them. We understand that um, he doesn't want to be involved in politics. We understand that um, he has a conflict with his father. We understand that Siobhan, who never speaks in the whole movie, is one of the puppet masters behind this guy, you know, becoming the mayor one day, okay? Um, and the fact that, you know, through this racial slur at the top of the picture, that they have, you know, we find out that this is a black driver who's driving them. Now, where's he going? Who, who's going to pay him more? You know, I've been with back of cars and chauffeurs and had, had that conversation with loads of chauffeurs tell, telling me what people have been saying and they, and they think that, that these people are nothing. That, that's a reality. And then, at the same time, we leave a predominantly um, populated African-American neighborhood, you know, um, disheveled one, to a predominantly white, you know, upper middle class one. A predominantly white, not all white. Um, Farrakhan lives around the corner, would you believe? Um, so that's, that's, that's the reality. That is the reality. That is, that is it. So one doesn't have to hammer it on people's heads. You could just, it, it, it goes by in a subliminal way. I mean, people might not even thought, oh, did, how did it get, oh, that's, oh, oh my goodness, that, oh, end of story. It's not about shouting, it's just about, um, how can I say, um, the movement and also being a British filmmaker really, because it's how you stretch a pound, how you can tell five stories in one, with one take, but also drive the narrative forward. It's about driving the narrative. It's actually driving the narrative. It's actually, obviously, it's actually moving. So we're actually pushing the bloody, you know, it's not film now, it's whatever it is, digital stuff through. And we're moving, we're moving, we're moving, we're moving. So we're not wasting any time. But you're also proving how close those two lives Exist. Oh, exactly. Precisely. I mean, that was the extraordinary thing, was that yes, there was so much going there's that, on. But what's precisely, but we know so much about Jack Mulligan that we would never have known if he was just talking to someone because it wasn't private. Mm. You see? And then we don't have to see him at all. We just know it's the enclosedness, the public and the private. I'm really interested in what you said just now sure. about rewarding um, audiences, because there is something throughout your work where you are, you know, I don't know whether it's insistent or demanding or generous, you can call it any word, there's no value judgment in the question. It's literally, you know, I'm thinking of the song and shame, I'm thinking of the being on the tiptoes in, in uh, 12 years, you know, that thing of holding the moment and making it go beyond what, what we have been taught to expect by mainstream cinema. And I'm just interested in that. Is that part of the reward you're talking about? Is that something you're trying to make us look a little closer, slow down a bit? Well, it depends, yes. It de well, interesting, it depends on what, what kind of moment you're, you're talking yeah. about. I mean, 
um, uh, depending. I mean, there's the situation where it could go beyond breaking point and then it gets, it gets something else. I don't, that's yeah. th that, this doesn't happen here because no. you're so you're so sort of uh, stimulated by what they're saying and so investing in what they're saying and that you don't even, and all of a sudden you're, oh, oh my goodness, he's, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a bit of, dis of distraction mm. in a way, but not it's not because you don't see them. So you are, again, you are invested in, in this mo motor car moving through. But say, for example, the, at the hanging in uh, 12 years, yes, at a certain point. But then again, for me, that was to, to sort of, that was for sort of, what can I say? Um, that was the sort of image all lynchings that have ever existed. Because mm. <laughs> I want to do that on film. But you, uh, you go beyond the sense of breaking point and then you, get, you get somewhere else. And then we go somewhere else. So again, it, it's a, it, there's a duration thing yeah. before it, just, just before it breaks. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Um, can I just ask you one last question then I'm gonna open it to the audience, which is just about the provenance. I mean, this is sort of comes from TV, we're in the time of TV and yet you make a film. Is there, did you think about that? Was that? Well, I mean, we've been very fortunate with this picture. I mean, you know, in one, in one aspect. <laughs> um, and it's, we'll, we'll talk about other aspects later, but since it was released, well, we showed this picture in, in Toronto, it's played extraordinarily well. People gasped, they laughed, they cheered. It was just verbally sort of, you know, you, 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 know, you know what the movie, hardly, you could not always tell if the movie plays well, but this movie played well, played yeah. great. So the fact that I made this movie for 200, 500, 1,000 people. I didn't make this for someone with a laptop to popping in and out of, of you know, the bathroom or, or, or the fridge every five minutes. I made this for a cinema audience. Yeah. I, made it, I made it for a collective experience. Now, that's not to say bad things about you know, whatever sort of uh, streaming services that, that, that there are, but I know what I made it for. Yeah. Um, and you know, it may, you know, again, maybe I'm old-fashioned. I don't know. It's, it's sad. To, it's even sad to think that. But um, that's why I made it for. Great. It's cinema, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine sound. I mean, well, you know, you got this thing. Someone ringing you. You're into. What's that about? No. I mean, anyone who says sorry, anyone who says that it, 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 it advances, it doesn't. It, it's a reduction. It's not an advancement. It's a reduction. I mean, in every single way, other than the fact, okay, the only advancement it is, which is a good advancement, is accessibility. That kids anywhere, any, not even kids, anyone could get you know certain films anywhere. But not all kind of films are on a streaming system. That's the only good thing about it, um, which is which is not a bad thing really. But for the surreal cinema experience, there's nothing that can beat that. It, there just isn't, I'm afraid. Um, can I ask you about the ensemble? Because I really enjoyed the performances. Could you talk a bit about the chronology of how the casting came together? Well, I, well I t I t I'll talk about the women. Um, uh, Cynthia Riva was the first one who was cast. And there was, I, had a great, I have a great casting director called Francie Mazel, and she brought Cynthia to my attention. Cynthia was on, on Broadway uh, playing the lead role in a, in a Color Purple. Um, and I went to see her, and she had never made a movie before, and that was it. I thought, yeah, she's, she's well, that was it. Um, she's amazing. Um, uh, uh, Elizabeth Dubecki was in uh, a, a play called uh, The Maids, uh, a Jean Genet play, which was uh, starring uh, Elizabeth O'Pierre and uh, Kate Blanchett. But there was something beautiful about the fact that she was this very, you know, I love the idea this person could be a bit ungainly, like, almost like a, a, a sort of a, a deer, you know, and then all of a sudden the, the person becomes a, a swan, in that, you know, in that kind of classic sort of, uh, uh, you know, um, Hans Christian Anderson way. 
because you know because she's being sort of obviously you know you know abused by her partner and whatnot, and she's so unsure of so. And she she has the longest journey in the picture, of course, you know, as as far as progress. And other, other ladies are different, a different uh, uh, sort of uh, you know uh, starting points where, where where we find them in the in their own develop self development. Anyway, so Elizabeth was just genius, um, and she she's half Polish as well. And then there was Elizabeth. Oh no, Elizabeth. There was Michelle Rodriguez, and Michelle. I, I wanted to work with her, and then she said no. And then I. Um, well, this film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's only from uh, yeah this film, and then she. Um, and then I had to audition over 100 women for for that part, and it didn't work out because, you know, you know, if you're you know Hispanic, uh, United States, there's certain roles for women that you you get offered. You see, and the only people, the people I was seeing were a particular kind of, uh, you know, actor, which was sort of the sexy Latina, or the sort of more sort of, you know, subservient in some some way. So I was looking and looking, looking, and even when I saw certain people, they weren't at a stage where they because they weren't developed enough because you know it's difficult. What what's your value? What's your worth as a as a certain kind of person within the the film industry? So it was very difficult. I couldn't find anyone. And maybe I it didn't work out. wasn't strong enough. So I had to go back to Michelle. Um, and I had a word with her, I had a chat with her, com conversation with her, and uh, she was happy to have a conversation with me, thank God. And then I convinced her, and, and that was it. And for her, it was very interesting as well, as far as stereotyping and, and, and who she is as, a, as an actor and a person. She's always had to sort of be tough in a way, or act tough in a way, in, in her movies and whatnot. For her, because she thought that, and even when anywhere she comes from, because she had the situation of being, had to be strong, had to be, had to defend yourself. A lot of women her age, or, or, when she was growing up, were becoming pregnant very, very early. So she used to wear baggy men's clothes and stuff and make, not wear makeup or make, make it unattractive. The whole idea of being tough. So she didn't want this role because she, she, it, it reminded us too much of her mother in a way. Honest to God. So when she, when I, you know, I talked to her and she, 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 thank God she trusted me. Then when she was developing the role, Things came out of her, which sort of was sort of for her <coughs> revelations, in a, way that, in a way that her understanding her mother, it really was like that, understanding who she was and how, as she says in her words, soft power was very powerful. The women who who had to look after children if when when the men pissed off or, or whatever, or what they had to do. So for her, it was very interesting to sort of, again, it was a revelation for her. She was she was very pleased to, to take on the role, and it was it was yeah, it was it was heavy. It was very heavy. And then, um, <laughs> Viola Davis, of course. So Viola, I, I was talking to a number of, whip, a number of women, and then I went to meet her, and I opened the door, and then I thought, okay, that, yeah, that, that's Veronica. I mean, <laughs> Viola, she's, 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 she's an iceberg. She's, she's, she's humongous. She's, she's, she's the depth to her. I mean, she's interesting eating cornflakes. You can watch her all day, or <laughs> turning a, a door, yeah, hand up. She, she's got the gravitas. And the weight, and it's just you know when you're working with actors like that, it's just it's gorgeous, and it's like you know we sat on the table four, five of us rather, and just and, and six of my assistant and, and, and Megan, and we just working with the script and talking, and it just it was really okay. The first night went out, so it was myself, Ian Canning, and these four women. Oh Lord, <laughs> they let rip. I mean, honestly, I think my mine and Ian's monocle sort of popped out a few times. It was it was fantastic. It was just the collaboration, the camaraderie, and the freedom for them for the first time ever to have this kind of um, uh, collaboration was just uh, it was wonderful. It was just yeah, that was very very infectious. Hi, Steve. Really enjoyed the film. I wondered if you could talk a bit about your process and how you define your visual approach to a film. 
the process with myself and Sean Bobbitt, I've worked with Sean Bobbitt, camera, my cameraman, DP, for 18 years now. Um, and the first time we worked together, we went, uh, did, was doing do an art piece called Western Deep, and we went three and a half miles underground in, out, just outside of Johannesburg, uh, in a mine called Western Deep. And I wanted to shoot with Super 8 cameras. Um, so the process started there, finding it. You know, it was really <laughs> super bright camera, you know, going down uh, these, 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 these huge sort of elevators and going down these stopes. And I think this guy thought, who the f in this? Who's this flipping guy? What has he got me up to? And it was just a case of finding things, finding things, finding things, sniff <laughs> sniffing, you know, finding. It's there. I know it's there. You know, you've got to use other things. So basically, when I go on the movie set and we, you write the script, you write the script, you know, write with, I write with Gillian Phil and we, we can talk about that in a second. But it's about not bringing my stencil with me. What I mean, I don't bring a stencil, okay, I'm gonna do it this way. It's about, almost like, and I say, I always say that, you know, Sean is, you know, with kamikaze cameraman, film, well, he's a cameraman, I'm a director, but it's finding it. It's, it's there. Um, and with, also with the actors, sometimes the actors can do something, oh, let's just do it that way. Let's, let's find it on the spot, it's there. And having that trust that uh, you, you're, you're going to find it, because you know we're shooting this conversation, we'll, we'll find it. Um, and it's not necessarily obvious. Excuse me. Um, um, it's 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 finding it and having the trust to do that. Um, cool, blimey, I've got to be better than that. I've got to do better than that. Um, Alex, there were lots of things I loved about the film. I really loved that um, the camaraderie of the women. I loved that no women got killed. Um, but what really uh, intrigued me was the use of sound, and I don't think I've really heard sound used that way in a film before. There were lots of really magical moments, especially with the little dog, that just kind of really put you in that place when the dog shakes or the sound of his toenails and when suddenly sounds come. Mm. And I just wanted, it, the soundtrack also was beautiful, but what's important for you, what's your relationship with music and sound and how you use it in your film? Well, sound is, I think sound is the most important thing to me. I talk about camera, but you, still, you, still, you hear me use it. You hear me. See, you see me using my nose to talk about a camera. So it's the sound. Sound is way important because, you know, as we all did here, I imagine growing up in the UK, we grew up with damn good radio. And now when you're in the when you're in the Amazon, you're in a radio. You're in the Amazon. You're seeing. You're, you're seeing that cutlass lash through the foliage. You're there. You're with it. You're like whoa. When you see a little TV screen, some geese with a pen knife. Not trying, what's that? But you're in the radio, you're there, you're in it, you're submerged it, you're, you visualize it, you know what it, how tall the vines are. So the sound is, is huge for me, it always has been. Um, that, 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 that's, you know, that's the best thing for Nordis, because again, it's like, you know, again, I've got to do smell, I'm sorry. But it's like, you know, when you go back to your grandmother's house and all those smells remind you so much of the past, more vividly than any photograph anyone can give you. When you go on the French subway and you go, oh yeah, oh cool. I remember when I was 18, uh, you know those, the smells are just the biggest, and for me the smell and sound are very, very close together. I can't, unfortunately I can't do scratch and sniff here. But the nearest one can get is, 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 is sound. So again, and James, you know what, James was in my man James, my sound designer was in Amsterdam the other day, and I forgot James's name, so God forgive me, Jesus. Um, James, he's genius, you will, you'll find out his name. James is genius, but you can't use him because he's mine, thank you. <laughs> James is marvelous, he's a beautiful person, beautiful man, really, really. You have to be for dealing with sound, and like Hans is a beautiful person. So, um, thank you very much, wonderful film again. Um, just wondering, what makes you choose a project, a project like this, or any of your projects? Because you've got, you finish a film, you've got a chance to make a number of projects, but you're gonna have to zone in into one of them. And is it, does it coming from that 
visceral feeling when you're reading it? You know, do you start visualizing it, smelling it, uh, hearing it? What makes you drop everything else and just put all of your effort into one? And why this one and not another one? Uh, well, I was again. If you've maybe heard the story, I was 13 years old. I saw this picture, TV show called Widows, written by Linda Plant, and it just hit me. And it's one of the things on one's journey. You know, you you ca you put things in your pocket, pick things up, and put things in your pocket as you go along your on your path. And um, you know, you don't know if you're going to use them or not. You just put them out, you put them in your pocket, and sometimes you pull things out. Oh, that, why, this is great. I can use that. And it was that was the same with Widows for me. After Shame, I was in I was uh, in LA, and I remember seeing all these actresses, great actresses I uh, meet. And they're not doing anything. I thought, oh, interesting. I thought, oh, remember widows, and that was it. It was, it, you know, it's, it's you, sometimes you could be a magnet as you go, and things attach themselves to you, and you find them useful. And that I remember that, and I thought that was it. And it was just very powerful for me to sort of, uh, powerful for me. That's bullshit. Um, it was just one of those things where um, I knew that was a story I wanted to make next. Um, yeah, I really wanted to make that story. Oh goodness, how? Yeah, as a kid. Did you kid find thing. it easy to convince other people as well to come along with you? You know, producers, and it, it was the journey. Yes, it was easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Film history was made in this room. Um, the first time I went to Chicago was 22 years ago. Um, it was actually my first um, museum show as an artist, my first solo museum show. It was a museum of contemporary art there. And at the same time, my girlfriend at that time, who now is my wife, went to the Democratic Convention when Bill Clinton was a president. So I always say my first footsteps in Chicago was art and politics. But ever since then, I've been, I've been going back for 22 years. I've been you know, working with the museums there, but also just going myself, my friends there. And the whole idea of the political aspect in, in Chicago, the racial aspects in Chicago, um, was just, I thought, just at the time, it was just amazing. To, it could be amazing to take Linda LaPlante's, the, the nucleus, actually, not obviously all, of Linda LaPlante's fiction and plant it in the reality of Chicago. I mean, the, um, we, we did so much research myself and Gillian Flynn. Let's talk about Gillian. Um, you know, and she's amazing. And we, we, I didn't even know she was a Chicago woman when I asked if she, if she, if she was interested in working on, on, on the script with me. And what's interesting about that, myself and Gillian, we, we went to, you know, went to the FBI headquarters and did research. We talked to policemen off record. We spoke to um, the, 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 the um, the lawyers who were involved in the shooting of the young man who was shot 16 times and the professor who found out about it before um, anyone else did, you know, and knew that the mayor had the tapes. We talked to so many people. We talked to private investigators off record as such. Well, private investigators would be off record, wouldn't they? They're private. Um, uh, clergymen off record, politicians off record. It was just one of those things where it was just galvanizing for me. And I thought this is the, again, Chicago is so close, so, geography is so dense. You have, you know, you have Lithuania, you have Polish, you have African-Americans, you have Hispanic, as far as Dominican, Puerto Rican, um, the Haitian, you have uh, Mexican, you have uh, uh, Irish, you have Italian, uh, 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 say African-American twice. You have all these people, all these people so densely populated. Plus you have churches within the, 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 the relative churches, and it's so densely populated. And that's the galvanizing force for politics. So you have religion, <laughs> you have politics, you have policing, you have politics, you have the economy. It's just, for me, it was just, I, I mean, it, it, was, it was like it's like finding gold dust. So that process you've Sorry. just described, about going to see all those people, yes. having all the records, going together. Uh, Myself and Gillian, how yeah. do, And then you have the, the, 
the Lyndall plant plot, how does that how does that go from that rich landscape that you're building up into a series of scenes following this story? Well, the narrative again is a train. I think you know it, it's not that difficult. It might seem like a difficult mathematical equation. It might just you know, it might just do that. And it was great to, to have that as, an, as when you're watching a movie. Think, oh God, how does this all tie together? And then it ties together because, again, once the train has left the station, you could do all the sort of different kinds of train tracks you want to do through going back to certain places. Go, you know, again, you know what's so interesting also about this? There's certain crew members, you know, the majority of crew members had never been to certain places in this city that, that we, we took them to. Mm. Never, ever, never been to this part of the town. It's like you know, a two-minute drive. Never been there ever. That's how divided, that's how segregated that city is of Chicago. So again, to have a, the width and scale of the city was very important to have an idea of what the city is. There's a huge, it was, it, it was the character in the picture. Um, it, was, it was very, very important, yeah. Um, what advice would you have to uh, filmmakers kind of starting out, uh, especially if you've got low slash no money? What would you do? What would you say? Well, I was very lucky. Um, um, yes. Uh, uh, what would I do? I would write. I would, I, I would first of all, because it's frustrating when you can't make anything. I would write. I would just I was write. And you could do anything on a piece of paper and a pencil, can't you? You could go to fucking Mars and back. I would write and I would just be cool and fucking try to do the best script I can, but also just images. And again, collect images or just uh, half an image, I don't know. That's what I would do, keep myself occupied and you know, hopefully go to someone like Channel 4 or BBC or some gets made money so-and-so or deliver your script. Because you know, it's, it's always, it's like, the, it's, like the, it's like the hit record, isn't it? So like that three, minute, three minutes could change your life. The script, I mean, you know, and, and I'm not so heavy on scripts but as such, but, you know, I mean, but guess what? If you get if you get a script, no one's gonna say no to you. You know what I mean? Well, they might do, but then you could change their mind. But more likely, if you got a good script, and, you know, people will uh, stand up and, and oh, well, well, maybe we want to develop this. So yeah, that's that's what I would do. Keep yourself occupied, lady. Hi, thank you very much for an amazing film. Um, I wanted to know if the Me Too movement has served as inspiration for this film or if it's been more about creating a more tangible portrait of something that's become very social media based? Well, when we were making this uh, picture, that, that's when you know, people became aware, well, welcome aware of it when we were making it. And I, the, the conversation about that, you know, that sort of uh, um, revelation sort of, uh, of uh, I think, you know, came about was, was happening all throughout the crew. So uh, it was just a, a coincidence really, but, um, you know, it was one that we, we took on board and we, we, we spoke about. I mean, what was going on in front of the camera was happening in behind the camera, the, the, the conversations as, as, as such. So, yeah, it, it just was a, it was a coincidence, but uh, yeah. yeah. Hi there. Um, I just wanted to ask about your um, rehearsal process with actors, how you work with actors, with the scripts, that kind of thing. Well, that, that, um, that is very, that's, for me, that's, um, that's, that's that, I don't know. That's that's what I do in some ways of because I love actors very much, um, you know, and because I you know it's it's, a, it's such an admirable sort of uh, um, venture, you know, how they portray humanity. It's you know it's, it's, it's incredible, you know. I see me on screen through someone else. It's it's pretty incredible. Um, it's about talking about the script. It's about rehearsing. You know, talk about changes if necessary. For me, it's a collaboration. It's real collaboration because. Again, you know, I don't hire robots, I hire actors and artists rather. 
um, artists, I call them, because again, they, they had things. And you know, again, it's one of those things where it's about the rehearsal, but not, I try not to take the plane off the runway in rehearsal because it get too heavy. And, oh shit, or, you know, want to keep it for the, for the camera. So it's about just trust. Trust is the big, is, 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 is the big word. Um, and um, yeah, just talking, you know, just, just, just pacing it through and then saving it for the camera. And then again, okay, 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 okay. So very quickly. So what my job is to do is to is to help the actor to get to become a sphere, meaning, but you know, whatever they do, however they roll, whatever they do, meaning that whatever they do becomes right. Whatever they, they there's ten takes, and what, every take is different. My job is to help them become a sphere. So whatever they roll, however they do it, is correct. So once they become a sphere, my job is to get out of the hell of the way and say action. That's it, and let them get on with it. Okay, we're going to finish, but I want to ask you just lastly, just about success and about how you feel about the reception of the film and how you feel about whether you've had a good innings with it. Well, I think um, you know, at the be I think it's all about perception, and I think um, the fact that um, we had a, a very slow start with it, with it, with the picture. Um, is sort of you know again indicative of the of, of the market on on the whole, but it's one of those things where um, it's just you know I don't know if people want to engage in difficult questions right now. I don't know, um, and it's you know, It's a difficult time, obviously. So you know, it, it's one of those things where, as an artist, I don't have a choice. I have to go on my path, you know, and that's it. So you would hope that um, you know people will, will respond to it, but. It's just how it is, and then one has to sort of keep on their path. That's it, because I've never changed it from hunger, <laughs> from sex addiction, to slavery till now. And it, you have to just keep stick on your path. I mean, you know, if, you know, you can't be swayed by sort of other people's opinions. Otherwise, you, I wouldn't be sitting here. There, as I said before, we talked about the whole idea of weight. If I did, I wouldn't be sitting here now. Okay, Steve McQueen, I am very glad you're on Thank your you. path. Thanks for coming.